Hey, good morning and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. My name is Emily Austin and I am the Director of Communication and Community Engagement at the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. Each week we come to you from the studio of WYXR 91.7 FM here in Memphis to bring you stories and conversations with people of faith and to learn about the ways that they are living out their faith in unique ways. This week on Faithfully Memphis, I'm going to be talking with Annalise Evans, who is an AmeriCorps VISTA at the Mountaintop Program in Middle Tennessee, and she's going to be talking with us about her involvement um, in the Mountaintop Program. Uh, Mountaintop is a organization that through Christian community and faith-based relationships helps meet the physical, spiritual, social, and emotional needs of all the people that they encounter, especially um, through reducing substandard housing and supporting lifelong learning and leadership and promoting overall wellness in Grundy County in Tennessee. But first, the saint of the day Earlier this week, on August the 14th, we celebrated the feast of martyr Jonathan Myrick Daniels. And actually, last weekend, Bishop Phoebe was uh, in Alabama to commemorate uh, his martyrdom, because he is one of the martyrs of Alabama. And so, instead of me sharing... I'm going to welcome Bishop Phoebe on to talk a little bit about Jonathan Myrick Daniels. This is Bishop Phoebe Rofe, and last weekend I had the opportunity to participate in the 26th annual pilgrimage for the martyrdom of Jonathan Daniels um, and also for the martyrs of Alabama that took place in Hainville, Alabama. I have to say that it was a very powerful experience. This was my first time participating in this annual event where a collected group traced uh, the last steps of Jonathan's earthly life. He was killed on August the 20th 1965, after being jailed for going to Alabama to help register African Americans to vote. And when this interracial group was released from prison, they walked to a nearby store to purchase something cool to drink. And they were greeted by a man who did not want them to go into the store and he was basically killed by a blast from a 12-gauge gun and in doing so he actually pushed a young African-American girl to the side so that she would not be killed and that girl 
uh, is Ruby Sales, who is a prominent um, civil rights activist to this day. So we not only traced the steps of their journey, but we also heard highlights of the life stories of 14 other individuals who were killed in Alabama between 1963 and 1965. Actually, the first one, I'm mistaken, was in 1947, between 1947 and 1965. Um, black and white, young and old, male and female, all of whom lost their lives in the pursuit of just wanting every human being to be treated with dignity and respect. Uh, the pilgrimage ended with the service of Holy Eucharist that was held in the Loudoun County Courthouse there in Haynesville. And they actually turned um, the judge's desk into the altar for Holy Communion. So it was a powerful experience to just be reminded of the tremendous sacrifices that have been necessary to help our nation live into the promises contained in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the successive amendments. Um, I highly encourage uh, anyone who has the opportunity to participate to do so. This is an annual event, and Bishop Glenda Curry, Bishop of the Diocese of Alabama, is looking for ways to make this commemoration larger every year so that more people can not only hear the story, but also then prayerfully reflect upon what are the issues demanding my attention in my local community, wherever that may be, how can I go home and help to make a difference for others? Um, you know, as a person of African descent, these stories, these commemorations, you know, they're very painful because had I been born in an earlier era, there, but for the grace of God, I could have been Ruby Sales, or I could have been one of the young, four young women uh, murdered in the bombing in that church, you know, in Birmingham. It could have been me had I been born in an earlier era. And I think, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, you know, there's always the potential that any society can inflict more and more violence. And it's not lost upon me that we're in an era in American life where just having a conversation with someone is increasingly difficult. And so perhaps in our day and our time, we can use the martyrs of Alabama to inspire us to have the courage to just try to have a conversation with someone who sees the world from a different perspective, to really listen deeply, initially without judgment, to try to understand 
where someone is coming from. Because if we can't figure out how to live together in community, it's going to be horrible for all of us. The way God has designed it, we're either going to sink or swim together. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to participate in the service that commemorated the martyrs of Alabama and just hope that in the weeks and months to come, I can reflect upon ways in which I can make a difference in my own context.
Welcome back to Faithfully Memphis. This is Emily Austin from the Episcopal Church in West Tennessee. And I am excited to tell you about a ministry that is not here in Shelby County. It's actually a little bit closer to our friends in Nashville. I have today with me Annalise Evans, and she's with Mountaintop Ministries. Hey, Annalise, how are you? Hi, Emily. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. So like we are, we're talking in early August. So it's August 4th right now, but when, but when everybody is going to be hearing this, we are going to be firmly into the fall and school has started again. And, you know, we're all kind of like sort of mourning the summer that has gone by. And I think with that comes like mourning the fact that, Oh, camp is kind of in the in the backdrop of our lives right now, camp and vacation and all that fun. But right now, you have been spending the last year with Mountaintop Ministries as an AmeriCorps volunteer, and you've been in that camp mindset for a while. Maybe you still are. Tell me a little bit about Mountaintop and and how you got involved in it and and what makes it special for you. Yeah, so we are right off the tail end of our summer ministry. We ended on July 30th, so really been, you know, recovering the past couple of days. So Mountaintop is a partnership outreach ministry in Grundy County. Mm -hmm. uh, And our biggest program, we run programs all year round, but our biggest program is our youth summer ministry during the summer. Yeah. We have church groups come stay for a week. We get you all mixed up. We send you out in little work groups and you can either do day camp or service project. And service project is what our our real founding focus was with substandard housing. We added day camp in later, but the service project, we do minor and major home repair, a lot of wheelchair ramps, a lot of porches, a lot of painting, yard work. Wow. Wow. Um, Day camp is what we like to call our VBS on steroids. So a a volunteer, the volunteers run it for the week and it is a VBS like structure, but we focus it a lot more on intentional resilience building in the children of Grundy County. But how I got involved with Mountaintop was what feels like forever ago. I was 15 and I went my first time as a camper. I continued to go as a camper for four years. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Four summers. And then I worked on our summer staff for three years. Yeah. Uh, And I was telling Emily, I graduated in May from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville with a degree in audiology and speech pathology. And I knew I had to go to grad school, but I also knew that I had this great passion for this wonderful place in Colmont, Tennessee. Yeah. I wanted to take a year off in between undergrad and grad. Yeah. Good, good choice. Yes. Good choice. But you're from, you're from Collierville and, and you grew up in Collierville here in Shelby County. And do you remember like the first time you heard about like, you know, as a, as a youth and as a teenager hearing about 
mountaintop. And was it something that you learned about like during church or like, how, how did you personally get involved back in the day when you were one of the participants? Oh, so my family, good old Southern raisin, I have been going to church since I could walk. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I moved to Carville when I was about 10 and we mm-hmm. went to started going to Carville United Methodist Church, yeah. which has been going to mountaintop for 30 years. So it was a very established trip that yeah. we all knew that you went to, once you finished ninth grade, we went to mountaintop. Like that was just every summer without fail. I love um, that. I love yeah, that. So it was really something just, to look forward to. It's like a rite yeah. of passage. Yeah. And my youth group was really close, a pretty close knit group. So I was excited to go. You just hang out with my friends. But I remember it was my first service oriented mission yeah. like trip. And so I was, you know, wasn't really knowing what I was supposed to expect. I just, I went along just because my friends were going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember just feeling so at home. I know that's so cliche, but just feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like this is feeling completely at equilibrium. This was something that just brought my heart to peace. Yeah. And I continue to go. I brought some of my friends who like weren't from the church. I brought some of them with me. And I mentioned this in my first summer staff interview, actually my, one of my happiest memories was one of our camps. We have two camps and I went to camp Baker mountain and mountain is a good word for it. Cause it is yeah. on the side of the hill. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so the camp, you have this big gravel road that goes up a pretty vertical hill and it had just rained. So there was like all the fog on the grass and the mm-hmm. fireflies were out and I just showered after a long day of work. And mm-hmm. me and my two best friends were sharing one of those big Twizzlers, like the big chewy. Yeah. Ones. Yes. Yes. And I just remember walking up the hill and being like, yep, I want to stay here forever. I I want to I want to be here for the rest of my life. And it just I spoke just fell to in you. Love. Yes, I just I fell in love with it. It was a place, and something that I think is really special about Mountaintop is how much worship and the call to be a disciple is integrated into the work. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes those two things can be very separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've, I've witnessed that, and and it can be a pratfall. Like you, you know that you are a Christian living in the world, but there's sometimes that separation between like this is my faith, but how am I going to live this out? How am I going to find what my ministry is? And mountaintop as a mission oriented ministry really mm-hmm. does integrate that worship back into it we have you know several times in the day where we take a moment and say right we need to recognize why we're here our yeah. worship is very i mean now that i'm on the back side of it i know like as a 14 year old i was not sitting there and being like wow this worship is so beautifully written but yeah. we put a lot of of blood sweat and tears into designing our worship flow for the summers because we we want every person there to get something out of it it's Mm -hmm. a very intergenerational worship space of you know we know that there's going to be a 12 year old and there's also going to be a 65 year old and we want to challenge and push the youth in in this crazy hard to grasp idea of faith yeah and 
also have something there for, you know, the 65 year old to sit and ponder. So it was, it was really a place where I fully got in touch with this, what can be an overwhelming and overarching idea of God and worship and what my faith looks like while also connecting me to what I really love, which is service. Yeah. And giving of yourself, because when you're in those kind of situations, you really are the hands and the feet of Christ. Tell me a little bit about those projects that folks who participate are engaging in. We are a partnership ministry. We work with people, not for people. So we work with only express needs. So we're not going to walk up to someone and be like, your porch looks like it's falling apart. Let's fix that. We only work with what people, you know, want their home to look like. And the partnership ministry aspect is honored in any project that a volunteer is, you know, completing. The homeowner has contributed in some way, whether Mm -hmm. that be providing lunch for the group, paying for materials, giving a donation, you know, anything will do anything to for them to contribute to the project. So during the summer, it is a lot more of minor home repair, just because it is, you know, youth groups. Yeah, so we do. You're not going to be asking to come in and like install a toilet or like, or like, like be an electrician or anything. No, no. So it's a lot of wheelchair ramps. We do porches, yard work, painting, we'll build sheds, you know, yeah. uh, just good old, you know, but service project. It sounds like the kind of things that get put off when you're in a disadvantaged situation. Like if you are, you know, there are so many times where ministries reach out to people who are, you know, you're when when you live in a certain level of disadvantage, there's no way that a Christian organization can come in and like make disciples if someone doesn't isn't like they don't have their stomachs being fed if they're hungry or if there's something major, like I am bound to a wheelchair and I cannot easily access my home now. You know, there's no way to, you have to feed those express needs, like you said before you, and and also that, you know, ensures that you are doing the kind of work that you're doing for the right reasons. What were some of the like when you were a a youth and you were visiting the camp for the first time, do you remember, do you have any like instances where you went in and were like, okay, today was, today was a day where I made a difference. Yeah. So we also express needs. We also like, we have a lot of sayings. I'm sure if you've been to any mission, you know that there's a lot of lingo. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But we also say that we work with four needs, so emotional, social, spiritual, and physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, you know, supplying someone with a very physical need of, I cannot get in and out of my house without this porch. Like I need, my door opens to, I mean, I've seen this, but my door opens to nothing. Like I can't get out of my house. Yeah. But then by sending these groups out, we are touching and connecting with a very marginalized portion of of the population of Tennessee. I mean, most of these people, we work with a lot of elderly people. Yeah. As you know, they, after COVID, there's been a lot yeah. of older people just left to left with no one to talk to. And I can remember as a youth, 
I think it was probably my second or third year, we went to an elderly woman's home and she had on the walls of the entrance to her kitchen, every single mountaintop YRG that had ever been there signed their names on the walls of her home. And she was going through and flipping through uh, a scrapbook of all the photos of people and letters that they had written her and all their names. She was like, I remember every single person that's been here. Wow. Wow. And we were doing yard work there. And so I, which is an amazing thing to do, but I, I know that just us being there and talking with her and listening to her story was so much more life-giving than yeah. cutting a couple of shrubs of like, right. I am really pouring into this woman as a 16 year old. Yeah. It's a ministry of presence. Mm-hmm when you were describing like her pulling out this album, it reminds me of family. You know, it's like when we are engaging in service with someone that really grafts us together in a very intimate and beautiful way. So next year will be 50 years since Mountaintop in its first iteration had its first group of campers. Yes, we're starting the celebration next summer. So a small group of Methodist members went to what we like to call a sister organization called Mm -hmm. Hinton Rural Life Center. They do very similar work to us. We kind of I want to say stole, but we took some inspiration from a lot of things that they do. And a small group of people from, I want to say Blakemore United Methodist was like Mm -hmm. the founding youth group. They went to Hinton and they were like so impacted that they wanted to replicate it in Tennessee. And so that was when it first really started was after their summer in Hinton. And so we're a lot more sophisticated now. We like own our own facilities. We have two camps, but when it first started, they were just running it themselves, you know, honoring the partnership and started to do the work. And we've been chugging along for 50 years now since then. So because you started in as a youth and it sounds like, were there people that you were connected with in Memphis or, you know, Shelby County, like, it, through other churches that like y'all were serving concurrently at the at like during those summers were you able to form bonds with like other folks who were serving or was it like do churches come out and they are kind of in their own little enclave serving so that is a great question so that brings up another wonderful mountaintop lingo. I, I think I might, it might have slipped that without explaining it. So a YRG, yeah. a youth renewal group, that is your small group that you go out to the work sites with. And something that we have been doing since we started was when we build our youth renewal groups, you get all mixed up. So we have churches that come from, you know, Tennessee all the way to Wisconsin, you know, mm-hmm. Connecticut. So we have churches come from all over uh-huh. and we build the YRGs once people get there. It's yeah. a staff-led but spirit-driven experience so we want to mix people up but once we don't do it before you guys get here so we want to kind of it to be led by 
when you're there. Yeah. And so we really diversify the groups with, you know, age, gender, where they're from, years of mountaintop experience. It's been a tried and true mountaintop philosophy for 50 years. And so you do connect with people, but not people that you came with at yeah, all. Yeah, I remember as, the, and I'm older than you, but there, when I was a youth growing up and here in Shelby County in Memphis, my church at one time, we went on a similar kind of like work camp experience in white to Wyoming. We were serving, you know, underserved folks. And it was a work camp experience where there were churches pulling from all over the United States. And I remember the site that I worked on, there was a gal in our group who was from Texas. There was a guy from Colorado. There was another girl from Minnesota. And we were all, and you know, here's me from Tennessee. And we were all not only like from different places, we were different genders and all different denominations and faith backgrounds as well. And it was the most, it, it, it was at the time, I think it overwhelmed me a lot because it was like, okay, well, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Like there are people who are not like me, but when you're around people who are not like you, but they are motivated by something that is so pure and, and that is serving and that is serving in the name of, you know, something that is much larger than all of us, which is just the human, like the God's creation and being the hands and the feet of Christ. It's a very, it's a moving experience. And I think that sometimes I, I felt like as I reflect on it, it, I, it was doing more for me probably than it was for the, for the homeowners that we were serving. Like we were, I think we were some, it was something similar. Like we were building a wheelchair ramp or painting a, a house or something. I, I'm I'm quite sure that it did more for the youth who were that we I bonded with than probably we did for the homeowner. It's a really amazing experience when you are put in a servant role in the way that you're describing at at mountaintop. So how do churches get involved? Do you have to come as a, like a church group or just a group in general, or can individuals get involved with the ministry? With youth summer ministry, it's probably just makes more sense cost-effective wise to come as a group. Yeah. But if you want to just come by yourself, like I said, we have programs year round. So yeah. in the fall, we have what we call adults in ministry. So that's mm -hmm. just 18 and over. And it's mm -hmm. all the weekends in October. So yeah. it's a Thursday through Sunday. You come Thursday evening and you start work on Friday. You work on Friday and Saturday, and then you leave on Sunday. And that would actually be more of our major home repair. So we do, we do bigger projects, but mm -hmm. not in the summer. So that would be more like roofing, flooring, weatherization. So like being doing the insulation in a, in a person's home. And we still mix people up don't worry you'll still get that experience yeah, yeah. but it is a little bit more of a relaxed setting yeah and that would be something that would be you know for an individual because it just makes you can just show up yeah uh, and you don't have to bring a vehicle or anything the way that the mission that you're describing it and, and what's really interesting to me is that you're doing repairs on like homes and places where 
people live and they stay. It's always interesting to me when I talk with people who are involved in missional work as to why do we do what we do? I I think there are some people who are called to feeding ministries. And then there are some people who are called to more like activism or like of the variety of different ways that we give back. Habitat for Humanity is different from MIFA. You know, we can't do everything, but we choose to do one thing. What is it about repairing a place and and giving back in that way? So this is something that my supervisor and I were talking about a couple of days ago of it seems like this very new modern idea to think of health as an interwoven network of all of these determinants. Um, yes. But with those four needs, you know, Mountain has been thinking about that since 1975 of those yeah, emotional, yeah. social, spiritual, and physical needs. And a home is where it all intersects. I mean, if I, I, t- I talked about weatherization and it's something that we do in the fall because, you know, it gets really cold up there. And if you are spending, I, I know there's a figure, it's on the tip of my tongue. And I, I, there are so many bigger brains at Mountaintop and I wish they could all be here with me. But it was something like before we weatherized this homeowner's home, he was spending something like $400, $500 on his utilities to keep his home warm. Yeah. And after we redid the weatherization, it dropped down to 80. So that gives that puts $470 back in his pocket to spend on on health insurance on car insurance on gas on food and so if you are living in an unsafe home it's gonna make you sicker because you're not gonna have the correct weatherization you're you're not gonna feel like you have a space to you know come to at the end of the day Uh um and you're not going to be able to rest well. You're not going to be able to go to work well. Yeah. And it just this huge snowball of when we prepare someone's home for abundance, we are setting them up for, you know, so many more ways of achieving that well-rounded life. Once we invest money into repairing someone's home, it it stays for generations and generations. That's right. I mean, it, it, that's what I was thinking too, is it helps create generational wealth and it helps yes. to create something that can be passed down. So we serve seven counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of streets in our area are Nunley Road or, you know, Northcutt Cove. And those are the last names of the families that have lived there. I mean, because no one <gasps> was in touch with these communities. And so once it was time to name streets, they were like, <gasps> oh yeah, just name it Robert Robert Cove because Robert lives up that street yeah yeah. Uh, and you have five six generations of a family living on the same street and so rather than asking people to move out of an unsafe home of repairing it and keeping them in a home that they've lived in it, it adds to their community rather than disassembling the the family unit that they exactly yeah because I I think that's what a lot of people say and it happens to a lot of places in Appalachia is mm-hmm. if someone has the resources to leave they leave yeah. rather than staying in you know bettering the community that they grew up in which you know is by all accounts you know that's fair but that's yeah. what happens and instead of keeping people in this community that they grew up in yeah. and you know building it up for future generations right. you know 
that's what the home repair does is keeping them in their homes. I love that. And, and it also reminds me that it really preserves the dignity of, of legacy and of, you know, I, there are populations in the United States that are criminally underserved. And a lot of times it's easier for us to say, okay, well, we'll come in and we'll intervene and you can, and and you can move elsewhere or change, you know, fundamental aspects of your life that, you know, are doing a disservice to you, not through any action of your own, but, and, and so in, helping people where they're at and helping them to preserve who they are and the dignity of their nature. Like that, that's, that's huge. I love that. I love the way that you put that. So what gives you hope in this ministry? Like you're, you're gonna, you're in your gap year right now. You're about to go into the graduate school experience what do you think you're going to take now that you came out of the mountaintop experience as a camper? Now you saw how it's run on the other end. And as you transition into this new chapter of your life, what do you think you'll take with you? A beautiful, wonderfully preserved community. I mean, you know, even as a camper, you meet a lot of people, but then being on summer staff, I met and I'm still extremely close with some of the most amazing people from all over the country I have ever met. My first year as a camper, my summer staffer, my ministry coordinator, who was like in charge of my small worksite group, is still like, I remember meeting her and being like, she is so awesome. And then she worked on full-time staff when I was on summertime staff. And she is one of my best friends and one of my biggest role models. And I'm going to her bachelorette party in September. What a full circle moment. I know these beautiful people that you meet that continue to invest and pour into you is something that I will never forget. And I will always cherish. I also am taking just amazing objective workplace experience. So I won't start graduate school till next fall. And the things that I'm able to say that I do or did on summer staff are incredible. Last year as a summer staff director, I can say that as a 21-year-old, I ran three camp weeks of over 100 people and organized my own staff. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And I take a very firm, you know, standing in my faith. I mean, this is something that God called me to do and I pursued it and I'm absolutely loving it. And I know that I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Awesome. Well, congratulations and best wishes. And we'll put all of the information that folks can learn about Mountaintop and getting in touch with y'all and, um, you know, getting involved in that ministry. We'll put all of that information in the show notes, or you can look on our website for all that information as well, because we definitely want, you know, I think there's something special about giving back to a community that is that you were living in and and there's something special about i think sometimes in memphis we forget that the beautiful state of tennessee have these places that are still our own and we can go and we can serve in and get to know our neighbors and serve our neighbors in a special way thank you annalise thank you emily this is my first podcast appearance 
amazing. Well, Thank you, you so you, much for having me. You did a fantastic job. <laughs> listening to this week's Faithfully Memphis. You can listen to past episodes on our podcast. It is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you toss us a like or why don't you toss us uh, a comment and share the podcast, share the show with someone who may not have heard it. I want to thank everyone who contributed to the show this week and especially to WYXR for being our radio home here in Memphis. My name is Emily Austin, and until next week, stay safe and stay positive. Bye!